This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. We've got Steve Forbes for the next half hour with us, and we've got a lot of ground to cover, so let's get to it. Coach, your first year at Wake is finished, and I've been doing a little bit of homework here. I found out it's your first losing season as a head coach since year one of your first head coaching job at Barton County Community College 25 years ago. So I'm interested. How much have you been taking on-court struggles this season to heart the last few weeks since the season's ended? Well, Josh, I think you do that uh, every year. Even when you have a winning season, you always go back and look at what you could do better. And I've told you many times, I'm one of those people. I don't have all the answers, and I'm very. I'm one of those. I look in the mirror, and so yeah, there's been a lot of reflection. There's been a lot of communication with my staff about what we need to do uh, different and do better moving forward. Um, yeah, losing stinks. Nobody wants to do that. I, I, I don't want to do it, but I don't know anybody that really does. And, uh, but it was a definitely, as you know, a, a strange year all the way around. There was a lot of factors involved, uh, with making the season difficult. But, um, I think a lot of times you can learn a lot from losing. Uh, I've always seemed to learn more about my team after a loss than maybe sometimes after a win. I just would not rather be have six wins on the season. See, coaches, they always are more affected by the losses than the wins. What was going through your mind when you see Roy Williams' press conference last week? Well, I mean, sad. Not sad because I feel – i just sad to see him go. I, I, I have a ton of respect for Coach. And the thing that's most impressive to me about Coach is, uh, besides all the wins and the ups and downs and the championships, he's still the same person – today that he was when I first met him in the 90s back when uh, he was at Kansas and I was at Barton County Community College and so and you know one of the most impressive things I've ever seen done I used to, I used to speak at a lot of clinics for Nike and one of the very first clinics I went to as a young coach he was speaking at Southwest Missouri State for, at Charlie Spoonhour's clinic and you know I have to have a ton of notes and all the speakers do to speak for an hour right Roy Williams came up there and nobody kind of really knew who Roy was because he's coming to Kansas from North Carolina we're out there in the Midwest, and he goes up to the podium to speak about whatever subject you you got to pick the subject. And then he didn't have any notes; he just started talking. And I thought that just blew me away. And then uh, just getting to know him, you know, over the years, he's a really a genuine good person. And so, to me, I was I was just sad to see him go. Um, I'm glad that he went out on his own terms, and I'm sure he he had his reasons or why he wanted to go but for him to say that he's not the right man for the job I, I don't I don't believe that I, I think Roy Williams was born to coach at Carolina and he proved it have you spoken with either Roy or Hubert over the last week I haven't you know I was kind of waiting I mean I know they're they were getting inundated um I text with coach Williams during the ACC tournament I think he reached out to me um I haven't called Hubert yet I'm sitting in my house i got a little home office here and i got a big uh framed picture of billis knight phelps uh hubert and reese at one of the many college game days i've been a part of 
And so, um, and I've got a signed basketball by Hubert over there <laughs> with all those guys, but I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. But um, I'm really happy for him, and I know he's a, again he's a quality person, and I'm sure he's going to do a great job uh, coaching the Tar Heels. It is Wake Coach Steve Forbes with us here on Sports Hub Triad, reflecting on this past year. Was there ever a point you doubted the decision to leave East Tennessee State? Because, gosh, I can't imagine what it's like to move to a new place, your wife, your family, everybody, and you can't really build a community or build the support system the way you would like to. Not one single time. Not one single time. No matter what was going on, you know, and everything pretty much happened in year one, right? We, you know, we took the job uh, about a year ago, May 1, didn't meet the players till July 25th. Got going a little bit. Couldn't leave the recruit. Just you know had to recruit over the phone. Re-recruit the players that wanted to come back. And then hit COVID and on Thanksgiving weekend didn't play again till New Year's Eve. And then opened up at Georgia Tech at Virginia at Duke. Played eight of our first 12 on the road. Now one time, now one time, and I mean that. I didn't ever ever creeped into my mind. I'm fully committed to being here. I love it here. And we're going to win here. And there's no reason that we can't. And there's no reason why that we won't. And so um, it was just a tough year. Uh, but it's a tough year for everybody. Not just me, but the players. It just was a really abnormal year. And so I have never, ever, ever looked backwards. I've never really ever been that kind of person. You know, I've always looked ahead. You know, and I, I think I've said this on your show before. It was one of the things my dad always told me. You know, there's a reason why the windshield on your car is bigger, larger than your rearview mirrors because what out, what's out in front of you is more important than what's behind you. And I guess unless you're backing your car up, then you better be careful. But <laughs> um, I just – I'm not that person. And um, I really like it here. Um, I, I really think it's a great fit for me. I know – and I think – I, I, I kind of laughed at the old narrative, you know, when I left. There was those people, oh, you know, that's not a good fit for him. He, well, yes, it is. And um, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna prove that. Steve Forbes with us here. I promise we'll get to the fun stuff in a little bit. But you mentioned the place that you were just at, and I'm interested what you make of what happened to someone that means a lot to you, Jason Shea, your former assistant who took over for you, but then suspiciously stepped down. And a lot of your former players believe it had something to do with the protest they did during the national anthem. Yeah, you know, I'm probably a little too close to that situation, you know, with knowing my relationship with the president, uh, the AD, the former AD, um, obviously Jason. And I'm, you know, I, I'm sad. I hate it that, that it had happened. Uh, there was a lot of things that kind of snowballed. I don't believe that it was just one thing, one singular situation. It was just probably... A uh, combination of some other things that happened, and um, yeah, I, I wish they would have had more patience. Um, I think he deserved it to have more patience and give him another another shot at, it, especially in the year of COVID. You know, when he they they closed, they shut down maybe like three times, and so. Um, but hey, listen, you know this is the business that we're in, and you know, and so we just. It's part of it, and and uh, it's an unfortunate part of it. I've talked to him uh, yesterday, I think, for about an hour, and you know we visited. And I care a lot about him and his family, and I want to see the, you know, I want to do the help him do the best what's for him, and 
And so we'll get through it, and and hopefully uh, East Tennessee State will get through it. I have a lot of still close friends there. My daughter still is there going to school, working on her doctoral uh, degree. And so um, I have a lot of ties to that. But, um, you know, they've had some tough times, and, they, and they, they're going to have to kind of fight out of it. With Randolph no longer on staff, have you considered bringing Jason on your staff as an assistant? Yeah, you know, I know that question's going to come up. And, um, you know, I haven't even thought about it. You know, this just happened, and um, I really need to finish recruiting. And we're there. We're getting close. And, you know, I just – you got to do things in a, in order. <laughs> and right now recruiting is the most important. And, and we can't go anywhere in recruiting. We're still in a dead period till June at least. So there's no really urgency to hire somebody right now. Um, and so we'll find the right person at the right time. And, you know, I'm sure at some point Jason and I will have, you know, have a discussion, but that doesn't mean that, that it's going to happen. I don't know. I, I haven't really, I've tried to focus on, I'm really good at trying to focus on the things that, that, that we need to be focused on right now. And right now it, it's recruiting and then uh, getting our players, you know, in the get right program in the weight room and getting them right. Ballpark it for me. With all the players that are in the transfer portal, how many guys have you and your staff contacted? Um, not as many as you think. Um, you know, I, I ballpark. Oh boy, I don't know. Ten, maybe fifteen, maybe fifteen, fifteen max. Um, I don't allow anybody to call anybody in the portal unless they talk to me first on the staff. Now, you know, I'm not a micromanager, but I am when it comes to recruiting. And uh, typically, if we're really interested, I make the first call because I think that it's important to him for him to hear from the head coach because that's who you're playing for. And so I'm very active in the recruiting process. Um, you know, there's always those kids out there that are going to list so-and-so is interested. or You know, and there's, there's sometimes you have to make that call just to see if there is interest. Um, you have to find out a lot of things about their background, their academics, their, what kind of person they are. And you can't, when you can't go out, and see and get on campus or get in somebody's home, then there's got to be a lot of phone calls to just kind of figure out even if it's a good fit. And so there's a lot of calls, but as far as just actively recruiting people, it's not as many as you think. Steve Forbes. Quite honestly, quite honestly, the supply outweighs the demand, and that's the scary part about the portal is that there's, there's more players out there than there's going to be homes for those kids. Steve Forbes with us here, Wake Forest basketball coach on Sports Hub Triad. I don't really like doing the comp thing, like trying to compare players to other players. I know the draft process is going to be coming up soon, and I'm sure it's going to happen a lot. But I am interested in what kind of player you project Carter Witt to be. Does he remind you of anyone? Uh, you know, I don't know if he really uh, reminds me of anyone. I, I just... I really love um, his size. Uh, you know, he's, he's, length, he's got great length, long arms. He's got really good vision. Um, I do think he's going to be a, a really uh, efficient uh, scorer when he uh, gets strength. Strength was his biggest issue this year. Um, he got knocked off his path a lot to the back. He could get to the basket, but, he, you know, the physicality of the game affected the, the way he finished and maybe sometimes the ways that he was able to complete a pass in, in traffic. He won't have that problem uh, next year. And so 
Uh, I don't know. I you know point guards. You know I've, I don't know if I've AC Law was a really tall point guard, at, at, but he's you know AC was left handed at A and um, I don't know if I really had uh, a point guard with his length that he can and it gives him the opportunity to see over people to make the right plays and and so I thought he you know especially late in the year he saw you know against Georgia Tech against Notre Dame he, he was getting more and more and more confidence and we were playing faster and faster and faster. And I don't want to play slow. And so um, I, I'm really looking forward to the, you know, his next year and the years to come here at Wake Forest. Coach Forbes is going to stick around with us here. We'll get to the fun stuff with Coach next on The Drive. What are you talking about? What's he talking about? I'm talking about the one and only Josh Graham on Sports Hub Triad. <laughs> Forbes back with us. That last segment, I bet it felt like pulling teeth a little bit, but you know, gotta happen from time to time. Get to a number of things there that it's more clinical. Let's get to the fun stuff, though. I've been known to ask, in your words, interesting questions. Roy Williams calls them unusual questions. Let's start here. What's something you've been wanting to do your first year here living in Winston-Salem that you haven't been able to do because of COVID restrictions? Well, I'd like to just get out in the community and go downtown. I mean, I haven't been downtown one time, I don't think, since I've uh, been the head coach. Really? Not even takeout? No. I mean, maybe my family did, but I'm not doing that. Um, I, You know, I, I really haven't been out downtown and just walked around, and I think it's called the West End or something down there. I I, my family has, but I haven't. So I'm looking forward now that spring has sprung to uh, to get out and and after we're having done with this conversation today, I'm going to get fully vaccinated, which is kind of appropriate, being that you and I are having a conversation today, <laughs> that I get fully vaccinated. <laughs> What's your first order of business post vaccination? I'm going to go see my mom. Um, I haven't seen my mom in over a year. Uh, since your Christmas night, 2019, um, because of COVID and because I changed jobs and because of all the restrictions and, and she's, um, she's homebound. And so, um, I'm going to go see her, uh, I think in a week or so here, I'm going up to see her. I saw you on Packer and Durham hosting that show a few weeks ago. So when you get fully vaccinated, the third, fourth, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth order of business needs to be coming in here and doing a show. Oh, let's go. Game on. You know, I'm a, I got a face for radio, not television. So uh, I'll be a lot more at home on the radio. Steve Forbes with us here, Wake Basketball Coach. Uh, I want to introduce you to a game that we played the last few weeks. We call it Unusual Questions. You said with Stan Cotton, I ask interesting questions. Roy Williams said I asked an unusual question, which gave us this game here. Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. But I want to get the listeners involved in this a little bit, so a number of them have sent me in things that they just want to get to know about Steve Forbes here. And since I know you're a big Batman fan, I think you're going to enjoy this one from Declan Sander. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite Batman villain? Oh, the Joker. Cesar Romero. Oh, come that, on. I, oh, yeah, the Joker. The, the mustache? 
Oh. Frank Frank Gorsham as the Riddler. Um, those are two of my favorites. Um, maybe Otto Present. Uh, I can't think of Otto's last name as the uh, Mister Freeze. But you know, I know everybody thinks that's Arnold Schwarzenegger, but that's not. It, I'm '60s, '70s Batman. So um, you know, I'd probably say the Joker, the Riddler, and Mister Freeze. King Tut. King Tut would be in there a little bit too. Cesar Romero. That is a. That's a crazy one to say to me, just because of the mustache. He refused to shave the mustache for the part. I don't know if it made it better. <laughs> yeah, but his laugh was always kind of eerie to me. It was kind of, ugh. Well, he's kind of, I just, I like that. Can like you that. imitate the laugh? No, heck no. Not even going to try. Deekman tweets in, the best steak you ever had was what? Oh, wow. Well, I'm from Iowa now, so you got to understand. We, we grew up around cows there. Um, you know, it's crazy. There's a place in Great Bend, Kansas called the Pioneer Inn, and they serve their steaks on paper plates. And I had one of the best steaks, I probably, best steaks I've ever had. I like it with a little bit, a lot of garlic. Now, you, you know, if you're from Iowa, you're not putting any steak sauce on that thing, and Lord knows don't ever put ketchup on it. So I would say probably at the Pioneer Inn, in um, Great Bend, Kansas, on a paper plate. See, the best steak I ever had, Robert, was in Bird City, Kansas. I for- I think the place was called Big Ed's. Population 536. The, uh, they do prom there. They do everything at this place. And the steak was like crawling off the side of the plate. It was so yeah. big. Robert, what's the best steak you ever had? Uh, that's tough. I don't know. Maybe Fratelli's here in Winston. Uh, and my steak was also crawling off the plate, but that's because I order any time I go to a nice steak place, I always get it blue instead of just rare. Wow, interesting. Yeah. All right. Steve Forbes with us here. We're playing unusual questions with them here. This one comes in from Brian. Robert will appreciate this. Robert's a big professional wrestling fan. He used to be a wrestling referee. Did you ever follow wrestling, Steve Forbes? Josh, I grew up in the mecca of real wrestling. Iowa. I mean, Dan Gable was the Iowa wrestling coach, and I'm talking about real wrestling. They won like 10 national championships when I was in school um, at Iowa. But yes, um, when I was a young child, we had WQAD out of Moline, Illinois, and on Sunday at a Wharton Fieldhouse, we had uh, WWF. We had uh, Vern Gagne and the High Flyers. We had uh, Baron Von Roski. We had... uh, Nick Bockwinkle, superstar Billy Graham. Um, gosh, I can't remember some of them other guys. Uh, so when I was a kid, I watched it. Since then, no, don't watch it. Dave Clawson told us he is a huge fan, or was a huge fan when he was younger, of Jimmy Superfly Snooker. That's his guy. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting this in from Gary. Your most fantastic strikeout or fail on the recruiting trail? Oh, wow. Well, I've had a lot of strikeouts. Probably um, I tried to get Kevin Garnett to come to Barton County Community College. Um, <laughs> How did and, that conversation go? Well, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I went to about his first five games, and then we were standing there at Proviso West at Christmas time, and uh, he looked me straight in the face and he said, Forbes. I'm not going to junior college. I'm going to the league. I'm like, no, you're not going to the league. Come on, Kevin. I didn't call him KG. I said, Kevin. You know, and, and he said, I'm not coming there for no books and tuition. I'm going to the league. Well, 
at that point, you know, only like Daryl Dawkins and Bill Willoughby had gone really left high school to go to the league. It had been a long time. And then, and this is a very true story. He went, obviously, and got drafted. And in his third year, when he signed for $90 million, I believe, with the Minnesota Timberwolves, he called a friend of mine in Chicago, um, Chops Billinger, who was kind of helping recruit me, recruit him. And he said, hey, tell that Forbes guy at Barton County Community College I got a janitor's job for him here at the Target Center. That's a true story. That's unbelievable. There you go. <laughs> hey, man, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I gave my business card one time to Robert Tractor Trailer, and I turned around and he threw it down um, on the ground. So um, I've chased some big fish, but, uh, you know, that was JUCO coach back then. They didn't really want to go to junior college. Uh, Luke writes in, at East Tennessee State, you had a bobblehead made of you. What's it like to have a bobblehead made of you, and where do you keep it? Well, it's a little bit embarrassing, to be honest with you, um, especially with a head like mine. But you know the story. I, when I, It was bobblehead night when we played Wofford. So I walked out of the tunnel to shake hands with Mike before the game and gave him one of my bobbleheads for the game. Um, and then he put it up on the scores table, and he flicked my head most of the night, I think. It's like a voodoo doll, I think. I think he stabbed it a couple times. Um, I'm actually looking at my bobblehead. It's right next to my two championship rings at our, you know, Southern Conference Tournament Championship Games rings there at ETSU. So, um, yeah, I'm looking pretty pretty slim and trim in that, in that bobblehead right there. And that has been unusual questions, not with Josh Graham today, but with Steve Forbes. I think we learned something there. Um, Coach, since the season's ended, give me a sense for how much different this off season's been with the transfer portal versus any yeah. other season you've experienced. Well, it's, it's it's just I mean I feel like I've like been on that hamster wheel just running the whole time. You know what I mean? For since I got the job, it just hasn't slowed down. And you know, obviously we you know we have some scholarships to fill with some guys leaving and ones we just needed to fill. So it's just really been nonstop. I mean, I really truthfully get up in the morning, get on the phone, and I don't get off the phone till probably around midnight, you know. And, it, and it's uh, it's just nonstop, but it's a good it's a good nonstop. And you know, the portal has you know opened it up for some some good players. Now, I, I do believe there's still good high school players, and then and I think you know moving forward, we're all going to still recruit really good high school players in the fall and try to you know get as many as we can. But when you get to the spring. You know those numbers dwindle, and the also then you have to, and then if you have some guys leaving, then you got to have have a way to uh, to replenish your roster, build your program, and so I think the transfer portal is going to be something for the near, at least for the near future, that we're all going to have to to navigate through, and we're all going to have to do it in a different way. We're not all the same, and so we've got to be very selective. I think we've done a great job in it so far, and uh, we've got some really good players, and we're going to get some more that really fit here at Wake Forest. Coach, I don't know the next time we're going to catch up, but appreciate uh, all the fun you've been willing to have with us throughout your well, first year at Wake Forest, and I know we'll be visiting sometime soon. Well, I appreciate it. I, the only question you didn't ask me, and I did my homework because I knew fans were asking questions, was like where I want like to eat on the road, and I like a roadside boudin ball. I like a convenience <laughs> store full of gizzards. I like Hudson's Fried Chicken in Hudson, Kansas with cream corn, and I like the Amana Colonies in Iowa. 
So we'll leave it at that. I noticed you didn't get to the one about your least favorite child. Well, I'm not touching that one. Are you crazy? Come on, man. <laughs> I got one of those kids. Hey, one of those kids is going to, I'm going to have to live with one of those kids one of these days, all right? And so I got to do everything I can just to get one of them. One of them. I got to trick one of them into taking me in. So come on. Coach, good luck with that second shot. Go see your mom. We'll catch up sometime soon. Thanks for the time. Hi, right, Josh. Thanks. There he goes, the head coach of the Demon Deacons, Steve Forbes, kind enough to spend a half hour with us here on a Friday drive. Round two of the Masters today. As I mentioned, WrestleMania weekend. Robert's really psyched about that. Uh, and we just played Unusual Questions with Coach Forbes there. We've got one of our other favorite things to do, keep it simple. Five words or less, next on the drive.